you have your Bibles, open it to the book of Joshua, chapter 14. We're going to look at verses 6 to the end of the chapter. And we're going to look at the importance of endurance, the importance of seeing things through. Remember to change this. Joshua chapter 14, starting at verse 6, says, Now, the men of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, this is going to be the focus of our study, is this man Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, at Kadesh Barnea, about me, about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. You want to remember that word, convictions, because convictions is an important part of what's taking place here, and it's an important part of our own lives. I mean, what are convictions? It it is the things that you feel passionate about, feel strongly about, the things that are at the core of who you are. Those are your convictions. And so he brought back a report according to his convictions. But my brothers who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt with fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever. Because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So he is recounting to Joshua, remember when we came into this land 45 years ago, And I talked to Moses about my convictions, and he swore to me that when we were here, all those areas that I walked on, that would be my inheritance. goes on in verse 10. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years. Since the time he said this to Moses, while Israel moved about in the desert. So here I am today, 85 years old. There's an exclamation there on my Bible. I don't know about yours. But he wants him to know, I'm 85 years old, dude. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I am just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, ever since because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. Hebron used to be called Kirath Arba, after Arba, who was the greatest man among the Anakites. Then the land had rest from war. We have talked in the past couple of weeks about not leaving territory in our life unconquered. Not allowing things in our lives that are 
unhealthy for us to, to remain there, but to see victory in those things, even as the children of Israel needed to see through their inheritance, that they had to take it and they had to conquer it, and how many times they didn't. They left the enemy in there and it ended up affecting them. We talked about how we are to be content with our lot in life, not necessarily that we just give in and say, well, this is all I get, but wherever we are, we recognize that no matter what we have, that the Lord himself is our inheritance, that we are rich because of him, and because of him alone. And now we're going to talk about the importance of enduring, of sticking with it. I, I love this because here we got this guy who's 85 years old and who's as feisty as can be. You know, as you start getting older, things start changing. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Others of you will know the day will come. You know, all of a sudden, I'm walking through the house one day, and I'm just walking from, from the bedroom to the kitchen, and my back tweaks. I wasn't even lifting anything. I wasn't, you know, trying to pull my child from under a car. I was just walking. And I go, ow. You know, and then I'm like, what, what happened to me? And they say after 30, basically, it's downhill. You, you start going down. Your body starts shrinking. It starts kind of decaying. The only thing that, that continues to grow is your nose and your ears. They, they grow forever until you die. So we all turn into Dumbo eventually. But, you know, it, it's... It's one of those things where you're happy when you get out of the shower and the, the mirror is foggy so you can't really see. <laughs> but then it's helpful too because even when you clean the, the mirror, your eyes aren't so good anymore and so it's kind of fuzzy anyway and so you, you can imagine what you look like. And, but we slowly start just getting weaker and falling apart. And it's easy to start just kind of, ah, oh, I can't do that anymore. I give up. I'm just going to watch Jeopardy. <laughs> and our lives give in. And, you know, it, it takes too much effort to step into that arena, to, to maybe go to that Highlander or to go and help out with the women's luncheon or, you know, whatever areas. It's just a lot of work. But they say that if you don't utilize the muscles you have, they start to decay. And eventually, if you don't use it, you lose it kind of a thing. And I believe the same thing happens in our spiritual life. If, if we don't exercise ourselves and step into these things, that we, we start to decay spiritually. We start to become numb. We start to give in to those things. We, we kind of quit. But that's not the case with Caleb. He talks about how when he went into this land, the Anakites were there. The Anakites were the descendants of Anak that were descendants actually of Goliath. 
The word Anik means big neck. This is where the NFL sent out for all their linebackers. Go get one of those guys with the big neck. Remember, Goliath was, they think, about nine feet tall, and he had a big neck. And Joshua, at 85 years old, said, I want that territory. That belongs to me. Moses promised me that. Now, what's interesting is, okay, Joshua and Caleb were the two faithful ones 45 years prior at Kadesh Barnea that he mentions here, Moses sent out 12 spies into the land. Go and search it out. See what's happening there. Joshua and Caleb were the only two that came with a good report. And we're going to look about at that right now. And so he has a right to this. Everyone else who went at that time in that generation died off in the wilderness. But Joshua and Caleb continued. And so he has a right to his inheritance. And he doesn't say, you know what? I want some land by the Mediterranean. You know, a nice beachfront there. My own little Club Med Mediterranean. You know, I, I want to go there and I want to retire there. Or I want a, a cabin that's over by the Sea of Galilee, a lakeside cabin where I can fish and enjoy, you know, the time there with that freshwater lake. That's what I want to do because I'm 85 years old. I want to retire. It's time for me to settle down. He doesn't go for that. He says, I want that where the giants live, the big neck guys. I want that place. And I wonder what in him was driving him to at 85 years old want to engage with the most difficult territory in all of Canaan? What drove him there? And not to relax, not to take it easy, not to retire, but to push forward and to push on. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, it says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. You ever feel like giving up? This is too hard. Work is just a bear. The kids are worse than work. I used to go to work to get rest. My poor wife, she was home with four toddlers. She'd get mad at me when I'd go to work. Because how can you get off so easy? And it just gets difficult. And you wonder, how long do I have to, to go on like this? How long do I have to work at this job, get up at this hour, work for this many hours, make this little money? How long do I have to do this and keep going on? And, and you can become very weary. And it's amazing your attitude, how it affects your production, how it affects how you step into something. You all know what it's like. You know, I, I can be dead tired. I can come home and, and had a long day and I, I you know, I, I'm, 
was at, you know, church and I, man, I, I was up late last night and my wife asked me, hey, can you take out the trash? And I'm like, how insensitive can you be? Don't you know how exhausted I am? My legs barely move. I just can't even think. I'll stumble off the chairs if I, you know, walk up and go get the trash can. I'm just so exhausted. You know, and then she dares think I'm lazy. And then my brother calls. And he asks me if I want to go to the movies. There's a midnight showing. Go see Avatar or something. And all of a sudden, it's a miracle. <laughs> I, I'm gifted from God with energy. <laughs> and I, I'm able to leap off the couch and, and get ready and no problem. And my wife dare think I'm a hypocrite, you know, just because I couldn't take out the trash five minutes ago. She doesn't understand. It was a miracle happened. I, <laughs> I was transformed, touched by God. And when we want something, we have energy for it. When you want to go to work because whatever, I'm going to go and we're planning this this day or, or whatever it is, there's something exciting happening, you have the energy to go there. doesn't matter how tired you are. You have energy. You have the desire. Why? Because you want it. And you see, Paul tells us here, don't become weary in doing what is good. At the end, you're going to receive the reward. How do you not get weary? Well, you have to want to do it. You have to want that good. You have to desire that thing. And so I wonder, how quickly do we give up? On the things in our lives that are of importance, how much do we really desire those things or maybe we just desire to give up and to retire and to take it easy instead of desiring to do more, to affect people, to, to change the world, to uh, use the ideas that we have, the energy we have, the creativity that we have to see things move forward. We just settle. And I want to go back 45 years and look at what Caleb did. Turn to Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. It's right before Judges, after Leviticus, before Deuteronomy. In Numbers 13, starting at verse 26, it says, They came back to Moses. This is the 12 that went out to spy out the land that they're in right now that we're reading about in Joshua. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, 
And the cities are fortified and very large. We, we've read about Jericho already. We even saw descendants of Anak there. Remember that name. The Amalekites live there in the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses. Now, here's a large amount of people. When he silenced the people, he, he's not going, hey, shh, 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 shh. He's saying, shut up. He silenced the people and he said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. Conviction. We can certainly do it. Verse 31. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land and, and explore, they explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. Notice their language. It will consume us. It will eat us alive. All the people we saw there are of great size. They're big-necked people. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak, come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. We can't do it. What was their conviction? Who had the bad report compared to that of Caleb? Their conviction is we're going to get wiped out. Now, you guys know if you've been involved with sports at all, how important it is to get psyched up into something, to have motivation, to think you're going to do it. You guys have seen in TV, you know, they're getting before the game. All the guys are just jumping in there. All, yeah, 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 and they've got this testosterone building up and they're getting into it. Have you ever been on the other side? I used to manage a little league team. And the first year that I took over the team, it was a rough year. The team mom wanted to kick me off the team. And she was on my side. <laughs> I had inherited these teams and... and you know, you, you kind of draft young because you hope in three years they're going to develop and then they're going to be good enough so that you can utilize them. So our first year, we came in, I think it was seventh place, which wasn't bad considering there were eight teams. So we weren't in last place. But I can remember going to the field and we'd get there to warm up and the kids would come in and we'd be playing, you know, the team that had, you know, the 12-year-old pitcher who can throw 60 miles an hour and throw a curveball and they'd come in there and they'd get up there and go, oh, we're playing these guys? Oh, we're going to lose. And it's like, dude, you can't think that way. We can win. Now, I was, my conviction wasn't there, but I had to tell them something, you know, we can try. You have to have the motivation. And as they started having the ability and started saying, you know what? The next year we got better. And then the third year that I coached, we actually won. And so we went from seventh to first place in those three years. As they started honing their abilities and saw what they could do, they said, we can do this. 
And I guarantee the attitude that last year was a lot different than the first year, even though some of the kids were the same. Those kids who were saying, oh, man, these guys are going to wipe us out, at the end of the year were saying, we can do this. There was a transformation in their convictions and what they believed and what they desired to do. Caleb had the conviction, we can do this. The other people didn't. It goes on in chapter 14, and it says, That night, all the people of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in this desert, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? I wonder how many of us have come to a place where we said, why has the Lord saved me just to bring me to this place? To let me struggle like I am. To go through the hardships that I'm going through. Why, why did God do this? It would have been better if I never was here. It would be better if I, I didn't come here at all. I wonder if we do that sometimes. It'd be better if I wasn't here. I wish I'd never been born. And our life is a tragedy. Verse 4, it says, And they said to each other, We should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. We're going to leave Moses, leave this people, leave the hope of a land of promise, that God gave to us, to our forefathers, let's go back to Egypt. We can be slaves there. And what we don't realize is if we neglect the destiny that God has for us, we are going to enslave ourselves to the things this world has for us. And that was what they were doing. They were saying, we're not going to go there. We're going to go back to Egypt in verse 5, then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. This is an intense scene. You've got the whole assembly saying, let's go back. Moses, the leader, Aaron, his brother-in-law, falling on their face in front of all of them. And Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. What do you do when, when you are confronted with someone who is blinded by the situation and that's all they see? When you have the conviction, there is something more for you God has a destiny and a legacy for you that you cannot believe. He has a life that is abundant. He has a life that is full and is rich and fulfilling for you. And you see someone stuck in a moment, and they just can't get out of it. Quote a U2 song. They're just stuck there. And Caleb goes, the land is good. 
What are you doing? And there's some times where I just feel like I need to be shaken. And someone needs to tell me, the land is good. It's exceedingly good. Verse 8, he says, if the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will swallow them up. It's not they will devour us. We will devour them. We will swallow them up. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. You see, the one group saw themselves compared themselves to the people who were very great. But Caleb saw a God who was very great and compared him to the people who meant nothing. And his perspective and his convictions were, God can do it. We don't have to be afraid. He will swallow them up. And the other people are, oh, no, look at these people. You see, because their God was this small and the people were that great, but Caleb's God was this great and those people didn't stand a chance. Ten of them were filled with fear and the two of them were filled with faith. Ten of them, the conviction was we can't do it and two of them, the conviction was God can. God can do this. And now... Fast forward, 45 years, 40 years wandering in the desert because the people didn't have the heart to go into the country and take the land. 40 years they wander in the wilderness. Caleb is with them for 40 years. How long do you have to wait for the promise of God to be fulfilled in your life? We get frustrated if a week goes by. Am I right? I just read something that says if a person stays on a web page for 15 seconds, they consider it a success. 15 seconds. And if a person clicks on a web page more than four times, then you've done good. If a URL name has more than seven letters in it, people won't type it in because it's too long. Seven letters. Are we impatient or what? You're saying, yeah, how long are you going to be talking? (laughs) (laughs) Caleb waited for 40 years, knowing that there was a land that was filled with good for him and his family. And for 40 years, he had to wander with these people who weren't ready. For 40 years, he had to wait for this promise. And and I, I was talking about why did Caleb want this land. He kept desiring after it. He didn't falter. He didn't stop and say, you know what, forget it. He didn't grow weary. In Romans chapter 4, verse 20 and 21 of Abraham, it said, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God. And the same is true with Caleb here. But was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded 
that God had power to do what he had promised. Caleb said, God promised me this land, even though I have to wait 40 years, it's mine. Has God made a promise to you that he would not leave you or forsake you? Did he, he make a promise to you that he had begun a work and he will complete that work in you? Then don't waver in your faith. Your faith isn't in your circumstance. It isn't in the land. It isn't in the, the giants and being able to conquer them. Your faith is in the God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above what you can ask or think. It is in the God who is bigger than you can imagine, who created the heavens and the earth and yet counts the hairs on your head. Your faith is in God. And you see, Caleb continued and had faith in God. And I was wondering, why did he desire that land? And what was it about this place? The land, Hebron, was the same land that Abraham pitched his tent on when he spoke to God face to face. The word Hebron, it means fellowship. It means love. It means communion. It was given that name because of the relationship Abraham had with God. And you see, for 45 years, Caleb desired Hebron. That's where I walked. That's the land God promised me. That's the land that God gave to my forefather, Abraham. That is the land of fellowship, of love, and of communion with God. It is my inheritance. And he did not quit until it was his. Hebron is our inheritance. Communion with God, a relationship with God is available for us. It's what we were created for. And just like Caleb, we cannot come up short until it is ours. And so wherever you are right now, you need to endure. And you don't endure thinking of what a drag this is. We're going to be swallowed up by my circumstances, by my job, by my finances, by my health. I am being consumed. You need to have the conviction and understanding that I will be victorious. Though heaven and earth pass away, the one who does the will of God abides forever. Paul said, though we're being slain as taken like sheep to the, the shears, we're not broken, we're not crushed down, we're not depressed. Why? Because we know our inheritance. Our lives have a meaning that is bigger, stronger, and connected to the very heart of God himself that nothing can take away. And you see, Caleb is such a perfect picture of someone who did not give up but believed the promise of God and wanted the land 
that belonged to him. He wanted Hebron. Hebron where the giants were. Hebron where the descendants of Anak were. And it says in chapter 14, verse 24 of Numbers, that he took out those that were there, or excuse me, in 1524 of Joshua, that he totally drove them out. Caleb is the only one who totally drove out the enemy. He's the only one who did it. Why? Because his conviction was, this belongs to me. It is my inheritance. God is real. God is able to give it to me. Even though I'm 85 years old, I will take the strongest territory in the whole land of Canaan because I knew it then. I know it now. I will not be I pray that we would be like Caleb and not be moved. That the giants we face in our lives would not take our conviction away. That it would not swallow us up, but we would understand I have a God who is bigger than all of these things. And you see, the people who grasp hold of this truth, even in the depths of darkness, are beacons of light. You think of Corrie ten Boom, who was in a Nazi concentration camp, saw her sister die and thousands of others around her, and said there is no pit so deep that God is not deeper still, who had faith and conviction that it doesn't matter where I am, my God is with me and he will see me through. She was a beacon of light, and for her entire life after that, she testified of this God who was great until I don't know how old she was. Her life was that of joy, fulfillment. A lady who spent time in a concentration camp and watched the death of those she, she loved. Think about that. Think about the right conviction and what it can do in our lives. And that's why I get so excited when we, we go to Mexico or when we help the ladies or if we're going to go somewhere and be involved in taking something to other people because we have a God who has so much to give. And if we would just tap into it, he would flood us with his grace, with his power, with the conviction and strength to endure. And it's there for us. Don't give up. Don't quit. Remember who you belong to. Hold fast to the promise that he has given to us through his son, Jesus Christ. Because he will complete the work he's begun in us. We need to endure. Let's pray.